Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. It's so good to see you. We've got a lot to celebrate in Jesus having risen from the dead, don't we? Amen? And I'm so excited. Uh, Austin, I see you coming down. Your wife just got baptized. How cool is that? Yeah, that's so awesome. A lot to celebrate when there's baptisms as part of the service. By the way, you guys just look fantastic this morning. You clean up really well. You just look so good. I don't know what your plan is the rest of the day. If you're planning on maybe later today, you're going to um, do some uh, you know, gathering with the family. Maybe you're going to uh, have a nice meal together. Maybe you're planning on uh, taking a family pick or a pick with some friends. If you're planning to do that, I just wanted to help you tell you what not to do, okay? Here's some pictures that some families took on Easter that they shouldn't have taken, all right? Hang on. Did you notice the missing ear? But my favorite part is this daughter thinking, Dad, don't ever show this to our friends, right? Now here's the one, if you want to get the creepy bunny, here it is. Don't do that to your children. Just don't do that to your grandchildren. It's not fair. Don't do it. But it's this next picture. Like, I've got one word for this gentleman. Why? Why? All right. This is the way our pictures always turned out when our kids were little. All these plans. Now, well, I'll just show you this next picture. Look at this one. I know. I know. Dad and mom, okay? Now we're in church, okay? So let's remember these both of these people God loves. Both of these people are made in the image of God, but they creep me out. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Right? And then the last but not least, it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids, Easter edition. I don't know what we're thinking. Just don't do that, okay? Whatever you do this year, we'll help you out, but don't post pictures quite like that. It's so good to see you all. And as we kick off today, one of the realities is we're going to go through the day and maybe you're going to eat a nice meal today. And then by the end of the day, you're going to have some dirty dishes. You're going to go to bed and Monday morning is going to come around and you're going to go back to work. You're going to go back to your routine. And the high of today will only linger so long. And then the routine of your week is going to kick in tomorrow. And all of a sudden, for some of us, that might be a battle we're in or it might be just the mundane life that we feel right now. And so I just want to right out of the gate ask the question that one lingers in all of our minds. What difference does Easter Sunday make on Monday when we get back to life as it really is. We're not all getting to be together on Monday. You may not look like this on Monday. You may not have the, un, the margin and be able to unplug like you can today, tomorrow. So what difference does Easter Sunday make on Monday? That's the question we're gonna ask. And if you've got your Bible, would you go ahead and just grab them and we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I believe this is one of the greatest chapters in all of scripture on the resurrection. It's a perfect verse for us to look at Today, If you don't have a Bible, there's one there in the pew. You can look up the table of contents, find 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 15 today. I want to give quick context to this, though, because this letter was written around A.D. 55, and this is why that's important. It was within 20 to 25 years of the resurrection. Can you imagine being that recent 
in our history to have just witnessed the resurrection. For us, that would be like many in this room who remember well the decade of the 90s, 20 to 25 years ago. And can we just agree that was a pretty phenomenal decade, right? And as you look back, some of you who are under 30, you haven't experienced the 90s, but there are a lot of people in here who have. So even if you didn't witness it, there are a lot of people who did that you could talk to and confirm with them what I'm about to say. The decade of the 90s was when Will Smith was simply the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and that was all he was. That was when SpongeBob SquarePants was a cartoon hit, right? Yeah. That was when minimum wage was $4.25. Some things have changed. That was when O.J. Simpson trial was must-see TV. It was when the Dream Team won the gold medal for the first time. And that was back when, unfortunately, Princess Diana died. That was when Pokemon became a thing. For some of us, it still is. For some of y'all, it still is. And that's when the Dallas Cowboys last won their Super Bowl. So, there you go. Bottom line is, it was about 20, 25 years ago, we remember it well, and that's how this story unravels today. The letter we're gonna look at, it's that recent to them when Jesus rose from the dead. They remember it well, and everyone in the circle either was there or they have no witnesses who were. And so with that context, I want you to see it because we've gotta answer the question, how does Easter Sunday impact Monday? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you've got your Bibles, let's look at it together. We're going to pick up in verse 3, and I love this so much. Paul is talking about some very, in fact, he would say the most important truth he has ever believed. Look at it, verse 3 picks up, it says, For what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you as of, say these next two words out loud with me, first importance. Very good. Now say it with your out loud voice. Say it with me. First importance. Paul is saying, everything else I believe pales in comparison to this. Everything else that I have reoriented my entire life around this, he is saying, everything else is secondary in heart and goal and passion compared to what I'm about to tell you. And here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul says, I am anchoring my life on that truth. I've seen him with my own eyes. Now, that's a pretty big statement to say that's the most important thing that you should ever believe. It's the most important thing you should anchor your life around. But Paul has done exactly that. But I think it's pretty good advice because I don't think most of us would argue that Christ was the most important human who, have ever, who has ever lived. After all, when we look at our very calendar, our calendar splits into B.C. and A.D. due to the birth of this one man, Jesus. The truth is, he is of first importance, Paul is saying, and everything else is of secondary importance. I'll never forget one time I was a part-time hospital chaplain, and I was at a, uh, the psych ward there. There were some uh, patients with been diagnosed with mental illness, and I would do a weekly Bible study, and we would be in a circle of about 12 people. And one time, one of the patients, she looked over at me, and she said, are you a pastor? And you love those questions, because you know something's coming. I said, yes, and she said, well, then answer this question for me. Why are there different kinds of churches? I've seen Catholic churches, I've seen Baptist churches. And before I could answer the next uh, person beside her, he answered or the other, one of the other patients, and he said, well, 
I, I can do better than that. My parents used to go to this Baptist church, but they didn't like it, so they went to a different kind of Baptist church. And she looked just wide-eyed as can be, and she said, there's more than one kind of Baptist? And then she looked at me and she said, is there just one God? Yes. Is there one Bible? Yes. Then why are there all these other kinds of churches? And I said, well, we need to get to our Bible study today. We don't need to talk about that because that's not a good answer. I don't have a good answer for that. Except what Paul just said, there's one thing of first importance and we tend to major on the things of secondary importance, right? It's in our nature, like, so you'll see, uh, in, if we had all the denominations represented in this room today, we would see the Church of Christ might not recognize the way the Methodists baptize. We might see that Protestants might not recognize the authority of the Pope. We might see Baptists not recognize each other in the liquor store. And on and on, <laughs> on and on, on and on we go. Sorry. So if we had, if we had everybody here today... The truth is we all see things differently. We might see the sign gifts differently. We might see salvation. We would say, well, okay, I'm reformed or I'm non-reformed or I'm uninformed or I'm deformed. But we just see all these things differently. But here's the one thing that we can all say that we have in common. It's back to this verse that Paul just said, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. That is of first importance, and we can agree on that. Amen? And that's where we anchor and put our hope today. Amen. Now, with that said, Paul thought, you know what? I think they're going to need proof. And so in a minute, he's going to give us some proof. And maybe you're here today and you would go, you know, I, I could use some proof too. Because the resurrection seems like, I'm not sure how big a deal it is. And can I just say, you can't overemphasize how big a deal the resurrection is. If it wasn't for the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Because Christians didn't create Christianity. The Bible didn't create Christianity. The resurrection created Christianity. And it is why we are here today. And it is why 2,000 years later, more songs have been written to him, more books have been written about him, more paintings have been painted of him. More than anyone else in history, more than two billion people follow this Jesus, not because of anything he said, but because of something he did. He rose from the dead and here's why that's really good news to you and to me because some of you may be in this room right now and you're struggling with the battle you're in and come Monday you're going to reface that battle maybe you're battling depression maybe you're battling anxiety maybe you're battling some kind of health issue maybe you're battling loneliness maybe you're battling the death of a loved one and you're wrestling through grief and let me just tell you the good news is that we serve a God who specializes in miracles our faith itself was born out out of a miracle and we have a supernatural God who says he can defeat death then he can defeat your battle either way he promises to be with you through the fire and the resurrection is going to matter because you and I are going to need it in the battles that we face but maybe you're not there where you quite believe it yet and Paul suspected that would be the case for his audience so right after he said it's of first importance he presents evidence. So look at the next verse. It's verse five. Paul, speaking about ra having raised from the dead, look what he says. And then after the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the 12, these are the closest disciples of Jesus. And after that, listen to this, Jesus appeared to more than 500 
of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Can you imagine having been at that meeting? Now that would be an Easter service, right? When Jesus is the one teaching. And maybe there was a Q&A afterwards, I don't know, but can you imagine 500 people at one time listening to the resurrected Jesus speak? I just think there's a general rule that we ought to have. When you see a dead man walking, follow him, right? And 500 people gathered there to hear Jesus. And then watch what it says. He goes on to give evidence. He says, most of whom, meaning the 500 who had gathered, are still living, meaning they're still alive. And if you didn't experience, you can go and talk to them. And if, when there are living witnesses, they have the freedom to refute what he's saying. And he's saying, here's where they are, and they are still alive. And then he has this great phrase, he says, though some have fallen asleep. Why is it in this moment, all of a sudden, the apostles begin to use this terminology instead of the word death that had commonly been used? It's because they saw Jesus die and rise from the dead. Now all of a sudden they don't see death as being final. They don't see death as being the end. They in fact see death as being temporary because they now know that Jesus is saying they too one day will rise from the dead. And so now they're actually using the term fallen asleep. Oh, there's so much evidence here. Paul just points to it a little bit. But I want to ask you, most of us, when we come to an Easter service like this, we kind of see Easter through a specific lens, the resurrection through a specific lens. And I, I want to point some of those out, however you would view Easter. Maybe it's for you, it's strong in belief, but you're low in wonder, meaning you're low in awe. The, the, the reality of the resurrection has become, well, something you're familiar with, so much so that it's lost the awe. Or maybe for you, some believe, but... Sometimes you wonder, is it really true? You just kind of waffle back and forth. It's a supernatural reality. Or maybe you mostly wonder, but sometimes you believe. You're not anti, but you're still wrestling with it. Or maybe you would be honest and say, you wonder how anybody can believe. It's such a supernatural, if you have a predisposition to the supernatural, it would be naturally to wonder how anyone could possibly believe this. And a lot of people have claimed through the years, when it comes to the resurrection, and it's such an anchor to our faith, that it was something that was made up by Christians centuries after the fact. But what we know from this very passage, which was written around 20 years after the resurrection, by the fact that this is written, there are three evidences immediately from what Paul presents. First of all, there were people in Jerusalem who saw Jesus die, and they believed he rose from the dead. Secondly, the resurrection, after all, wasn't a made-up event several decades or centuries later. And finally... The resurrection was documented while eyewitnesses were still present. With all that said, he says it's important, here's some evidence, but we come back to our question. Yeah, but what difference does Easter Sunday make on Monday? I'm still battling with the stuff I'm battling with. How does this help me tomorrow? How does this help me in the middle of the night? How does this help me in the relationships I'm wrestling through? How does Easter make a difference on Monday? And that's where I think chapter 15 is so fascinating because that's exactly where Paul goes. And now we go to the end of this chapter. If you've got your Bibles, look with me at verse 55. I want you to see what Paul wraps this chapter up and makes it super practical. Look what he says. Knowing he's seen the risen Jesus, he says... Where, O oh death, is your victory? Because I've seen the risen Jesus. Where, O oh death, is your sting? I know death is not the end. 
The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. And here he is. But thanks be to God, for he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus was not the end of Jesus. And you might be here and think, well, that's great, but I'm living a life right now that's hard. And sometimes I think people believe that the Christian life is supposed to be a surfboard on a rainbow kind of experience. But the reality is Easter does not guarantee an easy life. You know why we know that? Because Paul is the one writing this. You remember his life? If you don't remember his story, he's the one who was so passionate, as we just saw, and saying he's about Jesus, that's of first importance. So he starts traveling around the Mediterranean telling other people about this Jesus, and guess how they responded? They threw rocks and stoned him and left him for dead. They threw him out of towns. He ended up being imprisoned. He ended up being beaten. And it's on the backside of all that he writes this. Somehow, someway, both were a reality in Paul's life. And I think sometimes we have a weird definition of hope where we think hope is optimism when our circumstances are good. Paul has the kind of hope that says, my circumstances can be bad, but in light of the resurrection, that eternal supernatural truth, I still have hope. And look how he finishes up the chapter and he kind of lands the plane in verse 58. Therefore, after having said all that, you're wondering how does Easter make a difference on Monday? Therefore, my brothers and sisters, say these next two words with me, stand firm. He says, hang on and let nothing move you. I know the battle is real. I know you're wondering how you're going to get through. I know you're wondering if you have enough to endure. And he says, stand firm. In light of the resurrection, know that death is not the end. Hang on, hold on, and don't let anything move you. And this is from someone who had been to death's door over and over again, who had hope despite difficult circumstances. And then he goes and applies it specifically, because I don't know about you, but when circumstances are difficult, the last thing I want to do is lay down my life and serve the Lord. Paul decided that you can do both, that you can have difficult circumstances and serve both from the Lord and for the Lord. Look what he says in the last part of that verse. He says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know not you wonder, you doubt, but you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you want to have a regret-free life, Paul says, it's laboring for the Lord with everything that you have. Even when life is difficult, even when you're in the battle, it's reorienting your life around this resurrected Jesus and getting in the game, getting in the kingdom work and laboring for him, it will not be in vain. Now that's a really good promise for some of you who are regularly in the game and you're serving the Lord and it's a real good encouragement for some of us who might be outside of that and are considering it to come and join in kingdom work. Let me tell you why, because I believe with all my heart that God is doing something unusual in our midst. I think that if you look throughout scriptures, you will see that God often moves the kingdom forward. He often moves the gospel forward through people movement. We saw that with the children of Israel over and over again in the, in the Old Testament. We see that in the book of Acts, 
how the people were scattered from Jerusalem and the gospel went forward with people movement. Here's why I bring that up. There is an unusual people movement happening right now in Collin County. And I don't think we should miss what's happening here. In fact, I was just talking with Christy before the service and we were talking about the incredible growth around here. I just saw a month, a month ago in the Dallas Morning News the most recent report that said in 2021, Collin County, once again, was one of the top 10 fastest growing counties in the nation. People are moving here from all over the nation. People are moving here from all over the world. And if we're not careful, if you're like me, my temptation will be to focus on secondary results of that. Houses are getting more expensive. That's a real thing. Traffic's getting worse. That's a real thing. Political shifts are taking place. That's a real thing. Things aren't going to be like they were. That's a real thing. But I believe if Paul were here, he would go back to that verse 3 and 4 and 5 and say, what an opportunity where God is bringing so many people here from around the world that we get to have greater proximity and share that Jesus crucif was crucified for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And then he would say, whatever difficulty that brings for people to be coming to us, however difficult that is, just know that your labor is not in vain. It is why as a church we have committed from here on out that we want to share Jesus and build believers, and we want to be passionate about doing that right here in Collin County as well as around the world because we believe God has placed us here and given us a great opportunity and if you're not engaged in that I think Paul and I want to join him in inviting you to jump in and be part of the game because the gospel is too important to let any secondary reason cause you from being part of spreading the gospel right here in Collin County and I know so many of you are already there I just wanted to share that for those who might be on the fence come and join the team and let's share Jesus with more and more people as we have an opportunity in the years to come now having said all that I want to land the plane where I think Paul lands the plane why does Easter matter on Monday morning and here it is the resurrection gives us hope in our battle I know you're in a battle I don't doubt for a second that some of you who are here right now you just recognize that the Easter doesn't remove your battle it just doesn't but it does give us hope in the battle. It does give us hope right here. And maybe for you, it's, it's, it's pain, it's despair, it's death, it's, it's some kind of, uh, of anxiety, it's some kind of, uh, of wrestling with an addiction. And yet there's hope. Not because your circumstances have changed or even immediately will change. You can both face the difficulties of reality and embrace the fact that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And you have supernatural God who is walking with you and know this, one day, one day, Easter promises that all things will be made right. That one day, Easter promises death will not be the end. And one day, you will be in heaven and you will be alive more than you have ever been. And you will be able to stand with every tribe and every nation and every tongue and you will be able to declare, worthy is the Lamb. And you will be able to be in a place you were created to be. And this is all a temporary battle as we pursue and prepare for an eternal reality. And may we not lose sight of what is most important, that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried, and he rose again, and 
we have been placed on this earth for such a time as this to share this Jesus with the people who are around us. And whatever we do is secondary. However we feel political, it is secondary. However we feel about the pandemic, it is secondary. However it's going with our job, it is secondary. What matters the most is Jesus Christ. And he invites you into a relationship with him. And if you don't have that relationship with him today, he has left heaven and come to earth so that he could be crucified on your behalf. He rose from the dead to prove to you in the world that he truly is God. And he wants to save you today. He wants to rescue you today. And he wants to spend eternity with you because he loves you that deeply. And I think, as we think of all the things we could talk about, let's just focus on the most important thing. Jesus and who he is and what he offers us. And may we be the kind of people who don't settle for the secondary battles. But we put everything that we have into the primary battle, sharing Jesus with the world, knowing Jesus personally. Was 1 Corinthians 15, which I, it's one of my absolute favorite chapters. This week I just wrote a little creed, just four lines that sort of summarizes the chapter. So if you'll let me read it to you. A summary of the chapter is, history was split at the incarnation. But our faith, oh, it was born at the resurrection, amen. Jesus, he rose from the dead and was seen. So at Easter we shout, O oh death, where's your sting, amen. And with that said, Amen. With that said, here's our question. What difference does Easter Sunday make on Monday? Not an optimism. Not a I hope Luca can play the game tomorrow night kind of hope. Not a I hope it rains this week. This is my life is hard, but I serve a God who conquers death and I am in his hands no matter what. Easter means that come tomorrow, you have hope in your battle. You have a certain hope in your battle. I hope you'll lean on that. I have a story I just wanted to share. There's a movie called 127 Hours I watched this week. Maybe some of you have seen that movie. It's of a man named Aaron Ralston who went out and he was a single man who was hiking in an isolated place in southeastern Utah outside of the Canyonlands Park. Some of you may have seen that. Tragedy uh, struck whenever he was completely in an isolated area, no, no, nobody was around, and he slipped into a very narrow uh, canyon crevice, and a rock fell on him and trapped him by falling on his arm. There's nothing he could do to get away. So for 127 hours, he drank what water he had and ate what food he had, and as he continued to battle, he began to lose his life and lose his hope. And then oddly, out of the, toward the end, he began to have a dream. He would both wrestle with hallucinations and dreams, but he began to have a dream of a future wife. And then he began to have a dream of a future son, wife and son. He began to have a dream of a future family. And that re-energized him in a way that gave him the ability to endure and to face the battle again. 
fact, he did the unthinkable. And he had to, in order to be freed, knowing a rescue wasn't coming and he was out of water, he amputated his arm in order to free himself. But he only did something so extreme because the pain of that moment didn't compare to losing out on what was ahead for him, his wife. Three years later, he was married and he did have a son right after that. And he says it was the hope of this future family that gave him the ability to endure and to battle again. And Paul says, that's what the resurrection does for us. It doesn't remove your battle, but it gives you the ability to endure. It gives you the ability to stand firm, knowing that one day all things will be made right. But here's what I really want you to hear. You don't have to wait for heaven to know God, to interact with God and to know this Jesus. He's inviting you right here, right now. He wants an active relationship with you, right here, right now. So I wanna ask you a real personal question for all of us. Where would you self-assess your relationship with Jesus? Where do you stand with Jesus? First, you might say, I am in a committed relationship with Jesus. Or you might say, I want to begin a relationship with this Jesus. I am curious, but I need more time to consider. Or you might just be honest and say, you know what, I'm just not there and I don't know that I ever intend to make that kind of a decision. Wherever you are, it's fine. But I wanna talk to those of you who are in the second category. And you may just be feeling something where you feel someone, something is drawing you and you're seeing this Jesus again from Paul's eyes, who splits all of history, who loves you that much. And I wanna give you an opportunity to begin a relationship with him right here, right now, if that's what you would like to do. And so here's what I wanna do is, everyone in this room, would you just do me a huge favor and just close your eyes for a moment and create a private moment for those who would like to make this decision. And with every eye closed, if you're here and, I, and you would say, I wanna begin a relationship with Jesus, I wanna pray for you. So would you just right now, if that's you, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus so that I can pray for you, would you just right now just raise your hand in the privacy of this moment, just raise your hand high in the air so that I can see you and I can know, yes, I see your hand, who else? Yes, many hands, who else? Just raise your hand so I can see you and I can pray for you. Right now, I just want to ask you, if you raised your hand, if you raised your hand today, would you... Just repeat this prayer after me. And if that's your desire from your heart, there's nothing magic in the words. God is waiting to receive you and begin the relationship with you as you surrender your life to him right here, right now. Would you just pray this prayer after me? Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to be crucified, to be buried, and to rise again on the third day. And today I commit my life to him and make him my savior and Lord. And I wanna do my best to live for him for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I wanna tell you it's the greatest decision you could ever make. In fact, for the rest of us, could we welcome them to the family of God, amen? Amen. Hey, we also wanna put on the screen if you made that decision, we would love to know about it. Would you just let us know? We just want to text you some tools that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and we want to pray for you. And so if you would just text us the number, uh, text to the number 94,000, the word New Start, 
I'm going to uh, hand this over and we're going to sing this last song. It might be a great time for you just to pull your phone out and just 94,000, new start. Let us know you made that decision. We would love to celebrate with you today. Now, having said that, would you stand? We believe God is here. His spirit is still powerful and still moving. And we believe he can take things that are dark and he can make them light. And that God and God alone can create a spiritual awakening and a revival. And that is our prayer. So as we close, would you sing this with us? I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.